Unfortunately, then life happens, right? Uh, we plan and then life occurs, and that's what happened. Uh, for example, the main issue, one of the main issues, the temple itself, has, and it's sat unbuilt. Can you imagine the startup project? The project yeah, to be a human being. Uh, when I first moved here 20 years ago, you know, down by uh, uh, Canada Road, the, that big, huge building called the Intercontinental uh, Hotel, it was uh, painted plywood along the sidewalk. And there were foundations that had been poured, and it was there for, for decades. Uh, I don't even know why, but economics or political ill will, something happened, and there it sat for a very long time, unfinished, and the uh, lovely tourists who had to wait long lines on Highway 156 to get to Monterey came and walked along Canada Road and looked at our painted plywood. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> now, by the way, uh, you can go in that intercontinental and go out on the back deck. It's awesome. It's totally beautiful. Uh, and I, I advise that as a nice place to go. Not right now, wait till we're done. <laughs> What's my point? It, it's so typical of human endeavor. And that is, we can get started on something and things happen. It's it complicated, it's difficult, people oppose us. Uh, this problem, that problem. There's a disagreement over how things are supposed to be. And things get stuck. And this is what was happening in people's lives. And they were getting really discouraged about it. Some of them would be just overwhelmed. And and what's the temptation then? There's always a temptation then to say, well, just forget it. I'm out of here. I, I doubt God. I don't even know if God exists. Because if God exists, this thing would be going better. Life would be easier. There wouldn't be this ongoing grind of difficulty. Well, as uh, Eric already indicated, uh, the Bible clearly teaches that we live in a broken world, we live in a cursed world, and if you remember, God cursed Adam and Eve and said, by the sweat of your brow, you will earn your bread. Before that, Adam and Eve worked, but work was beautiful and artistic and fun and not sweatful, uh, but after the curse, things got broken and difficult, and it's all to drive us to God, Show us our need of the Savior. Because a little thing like, you know, pick some little thing, like trying to remove the oil filter on a 2001 Saturday. That is way too hard. <laughs> I own one. <laughs> and it's, it's just, it's, there's something criminal about that. You know, it shouldn't be hard to get to the stupid oil filter. Um, but that's a part of, that, that's apparently a cursed car. <laughs> it's, a, it's a part of the reality of life. And it is to, those things are to push us to God. And we realize how vulnerable and how actually weak we are. We need a mighty God and we need to trust Him with everything. So we're looking at the book of Zechariah. We're, we're going to take uh, the rest of our time together just to look at one sh of the short visions here today, as you can see, uh, the four horns versus the four craftsmen. 
Sears, trademark, craftsman. Uh, it's an interesting little vision, verses 18 through 21 of chapter 1. Hear, hear the word of God. And I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, four horns. And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these? And he said to me, these are the horns that have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. And I said, what are these coming to do? He said, these are the horns that scattered Judah so that no one raised his head. And these have come to terrify them, to cast down the horns of the, of the nations who lifted up their horns against the land of Judah to scatter it. This ends the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this, just this beautiful time to read together in this clean, well-lit place and spend some time with your precious word. And we do pray, O oh Father, that you would teach each of us what you want us to learn from this beautiful, uh, very old Hebrew poetry prophecy that you gave to your people and you've given to us today to encourage us. So, Father, we commit this time to you and bless the children as they're learning as well and, and uh, doing various things downstairs. Bless them and the teachers in Jesus' name. So, honestly, the big deal, the thesis of this vision is a sense of balance. Uh, there's four horns and there's four craftsmen. And they're very different things. What are the horns? Four horns. Horns are a symbol of power. And in this case, clearly, nations who, you know, garnered up their strength and built an army and invested in their armies to wreak havoc, to go around and conquer other nations. Uh, there's, and there's four of them that aren't named here. Many commentators want to take us on a, you know, a nice little trip down the lane to let's name them and figure out who they are. But, Let's just, let's just not name them. We don't need to. It, it could be the four of Daniel. Here I go. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Why? Because that's not the point of this text. This text is saying that God's people, and he, he, it's an interesting listing there in verse 19. Uh, they scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Judah is the southern kingdom, which lasted a lot longer than the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom fell to Assyria, Nineveh, in 722 B.C. So after that, 586 B.C., Judah and Jerusalem, Jerusalem being the capital of Judah, of course, fell, and when you say fell, it's not really they tripped and fell. No, we mean they were crushed. <coughs> we mean the cities were uh, 
smashed. And they literally came in and, and ripped the society to shreds, uh, killed lots of people. Two-thirds of people, or big, huge numbers of people killed. Uh, other people were deported uh, back to Babylon. So fell is almost an understatement, but uh, they, they were scattered. Uh, the diaspora out, spread around. Judah is the southern kingdom, Israel is the northern kingdom. Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. These are the, the four horns that did this. They, they, and they're... They're not horns connected to an animal in this case. They're sort of like uh, just horns. Just power, just strength. You might, make right. I will crush you. Uh, I'm a fascist. You will do what I say. Because I've got the biggest horn here. I'm going to beat you into submission. Why? Because I can! <laughs> That's kind of the idea. You might even say that with some volume for emphasis. Now, what a contrast to have four. Craftsmen. The Bible doesn't use craftsmen uh, often to talk about counter-military endeavors. The, the craftsmen, you look at that word, and over and over it's the guys who did the amazing artwork in the temple and the tabernacle. They were the super-skilled laborers that came in and purposefully uh, and expertly fixed things and altered things. And uh, there's, there's a sense of, of blind strength of the, the military might of the nations, the goyim is the word in Hebrew. And God's careful solution, well thought out, planned, you know, gotta get it engineered. You know. Yeah, everything just perfect. Everything is just lovely. And, and he fixes it. It's kind of exciting. That's his beautiful balance uh, that fits the whole big category of evil versus good. God is fixing it. He has fixed it. He will fix it. And when he fixes it, he does it right. Uh, you don't have to call him back to get it fixed again. Now, let's bring in the context here as well because I, I kind of didn't carry this through well enough last week. Uh, I, I sort of started to, and I just want to confess, I just didn't quite make it. Um, we'll do that week to week to keep you coming back. See. Um, what am I referring to? Actually, this second vision is a part of it, the answer to the prayer of a very special individual who uh, is the angel of the Lord. Now, I made a big point of that, how up in the other vision, the first vision, look at it with me, let's see. Um, here, let's just pick it up at verse 11. It says, and they answered the angel of the Lord. And again, doing a little bit of Bible study, you discover that this phrase, the angel of Yahweh, is unique and it's applied actually to God himself and so in theology we think well this could be a, a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ himself on the earth when he comes Christophany or a theophany and 
So the Lord, the angel of the Lord, of course, angel, uh, you can say messenger. It's the same thing. Angel is a messenger. And you could even, I mean, maybe I'm stretching a little bit, but you could even think the, the word of the Lord. The messenger, the message, the communicator. Um, anyway, it's all, you know, in that, that area. But this angel of the Lord who's appearing in his vision in verse 11, remember what happens. It says, and they answered the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees and said, we have patrolled the earth and behold, all the earth remains at rest. This is a problem because it's pretty evil. Nobody's trying to fix it. They just think, ah, it doesn't really matter. We'll just let it go. And look at what happens in verse 12. Then the angel of the Lord said, O Lord of hosts, Yahweh Sabaoth, Lord of all capabilities, Lord of all of the hosts of armies of angels. See, it's never a problem that God doesn't have the capability to fix the thing. The, the, the rub for us is he, he decides when he's going to fix it. And we want to tell him when to fix it. Uh, but faith is that you're the Lord of hosts, and I trust your timing in all of this. So the angel of the Lord, again, we think this is Christ. Uh, this is God himself uh, appealing to God, the Father. O Yahweh Sabaoth, how long will you have no mercy on Jerusalem? This is verse 12. And the cities of Judah, against which you have been angry these 70 years. So what do we have here? We actually have Jesus Christ himself praying to God the Father for the suffering of God's people. Now that shouldn't sound weird. Because if you know about the role of Christ, one of his big jobs right now is to intercede for us, we call it. But that, he's, just pray, he's praying for you right now. I mean, what a great prayer partner. <clears throat> we sing the old song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Look at Romans 8, 34. Romans 8, 34. We have here a description of Christ. It says, oh, it's beautiful. Who is to condemn? One of the songs said, we are rightfully guilty. We are always guilty. We deserve condemnation. But who is to condemn when we have this amazing attorney representative Christ himself intervening for us, who pleads his own blood for our sin. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. This is Romans 8, 34. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So by faith, when we're in a stressful, difficult situation, we're going to say, hey, Jesus Christ is praying for me. I'm not alone. This isn't absurd. God is in control, and actually Christ is intervening and interceding and saying, Lord God, please fix this problem for my 
my uh, loved one. There's another reference to this too that uh, I would like to read quickly. Hebrews 7.25, this concept of Christ praying for us. Hebrews 7.25, uh, this is, Hebrews has so many awesome, beautiful uh, teachings. It's so fantastic. It's glorious and beautiful. Uh, let's look at uh, verse 23, Hebrews 7. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Because of Christ, he's, he's eternal. He's always the priest. He's always there, always available, always working. Look at verse 25. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. But this is the gospel in a nutshell. Right there. Anybody. It says, consequently, they will say to the uttermost, those who draw near. If you draw near to God through Jesus Christ, he's able to save you completely, 100%, not partially. And then you're, you have to make up for whatever he was lacking in ability. No, no, that's wrong. That's just a really bad teaching about that. He saves to the uttermost. Those who draw near to God through him. And look, here, here's the punchline of what I was giving you. Since he always lives to make intercession for it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. So Jesus Christ, the messenger of Yahweh is praying to the Lord of hosts, saying, please help them, O Lord. And what we have here in our second vision is a promise of the answer to prayer. The promise of the answer to the Lord's prayer. Again, just let God hears and answers prayer. And this is the actual prayer of the angel, the messenger of the Lord, O Lord of hosts, how long will you have no mercy on Jerusalem and the cities of Judah against which you have been angry these seven years? Again, that's a very specific case, but you extrapolate that and make it bigger, and it fits the entire course of spiritual reality that we have sinned. God is rightly angry with us, but in his time, he has shown us great mercy through Christ himself, and those who come to the Father through Christ are saved to the uttermost, as he is the living, amazing Savior. So again, God hears and answers prayer. But, in the context, remember, there's been these 70 years 70 years is it more than a generation. Most people died waiting for the answer to God, and just nothing's been going on. It's not getting any better. 
that it says the nations, all the earth remains at rest. Nobody's taking this seriously. And uh, look at verse 15. And I am exceedingly angry. This is the voice of God. I am exceedingly angry with the nations that are at ease. They're, they're just taking it easy. So it, 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 we know that God hears and answers prayer, but, but it can seem more like a sound of a dolly painting. This is what life really seems like. The clocks have all melted. Nothing's going on. Where are you, God? I just don't get it. Where are you? And why is that? Again, what's the idea of the four horns? I honestly think just the kernel of the idea is that this has been overwhelming. They're coming at me from all four sides, all four points of the compass. It's, they're, 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 they're strong. They have might. This isn't a joke. The terror was real. Look at the terror here. We hear a lot about terrorism. Um, and it, it's, it's mind-boggling, isn't it? It's also horrible. Uh, but look at here. It is in Holy Scripture, the text, verse 21. It says, he said, these are the horns that scattered Judah so that no one raised his head. You know, I, I heard that. Part of the thing they were yelling at in Vegas. Don't raise your head. Keep your head down. Keep your head down. Keep your head down. Cower under the, this, the horror of what's going on. The, the terror is real. And it's coming from all sides. And we have a psalm like 88 today. Like God's absolutely sovereign will, by the way. You know, I, I'm not smart enough to plan this. I'll study this part of the right? when we get to Psalm 88. That's God's sovereign message for you and for me. Amen. Amen. That, at times, it feels like, humanly speaking, we're overwhelmed. And, and the Bible never says uh, that, I'm sorry, you get something too excited about this, but it's so important. There's this falsehood, right? So a little blathering platitude. I never give you more than you can handle. <laughs> Okay, we all know that's just not true. That's a terrible twisting of a Holy Scripture. It says He won't tempt you uh, beyond your capacity to, to overcome the temptation. But with that temptation to sin, He will provide a way to escape. That's what that verse says, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It doesn't ever say that the circumstances will not overcome. Uh, here, here's an American author, Blaise Clement. She said, They say that God never gives more than we can handle, but sometimes I think God has overestimated our everything. Amen. Amen. God, can we talk? <laughs> can we talk about this? It seems like it's overwhelming. And, and uh, we're here to say, uh, by the grace of God, that it's okay to confess being overwhelmed. You know, and where, where does that lead you? It should lead you to your knees. And what does the scripture say? It's cry out to God. Cry out. Now, where's the passion? Huh? Where's the tears? When we need him the most. And God brings tough times so that we depend on him and we walk closer with him. And that's this beautiful balance before. Horns of, of evil and the four 
craftsman of solution. And, and that's where we want to end here. God's plan fits perfectly. It, we're talking about craftsmen. Uh, and it's it just an interesting use of the word. It, it, it fits perfectly. You have to trust the sovereignty of God. He has a beautiful balance. And when all is said and done, see, you know, it will be balanced. It will be beautiful. It will be symmetrical. And, and it will be something that we worship God for. And what am I saying? What, yeah, I'm talking about time and space. All that has ever happened. Uh, it, it, it'll be, it's the work of masterpiece of a master. It actually goes on and on. Eternity is a part of it too. Yeah. And he provides craftsmen that are skilled. That's, that's the idea. I want to pick, pick up three, three words here. A perfect plan. We trust his perfect plan. The terror was real. And it says, so no one raised his head, but his solution will match the problem exactly. Look at the text. That they were, they were terrified, and what, what did the craftsmen come to do? And what do you, what do you show up here with a tool belt? What are you going to do? <laughs> He's got a plan. He knows what to do. He knows how to fix it. Yes. You need labor. <laughs> uh, Well-trained. Well-experienced. And, and here it is. And these, see verse 21, and these, that's the four craftsmen, these have come to terrify them. That's the balance. They caused great terror. In God's perfect plan, as he disciplined his own people, they caused great terror. But he is balancing that out, and he will terrify them. We think the evil folks in our world get away with it. And they do temporarily. Temporarily. They will not get away with it. In God's big picture, in God's big time, we have to trust that he'll have justice. He will have justice. See, a lot, a lot of the thing is, God, that evil person did this evil thing and they got away with it. They don't care. They're at ease. They're taking it so easy. And it's just not fair. What does that bubble up in? Horrible hatred. Sometimes it bubbles up in an incredible massacre. We don't know why these things happen. But hatred overtakes us and we have a sense of rage. And, and uh, no, no, we're to, what does it say? You commit it to God. Who knows how to bring justice? He knows everything. We know virtually nothing. We don't really know the situation. Can you understand what I'm saying? In, your, in, in humility, we have to say, I, I guess I really, I don't understand. I don't understand the motivation of that person. I don't know if they were genuinely evil or if they were misled or maybe they were victims themselves. I don't understand. I committed to God. I can't let this drive me crazy because God is skilled. He's bringing the skill into the situation. And in his time and plan, he will perfectly provide what is needed. I've, I've experienced that. I, I don't know if you have. It's like you're into a situation, you 
feeling overwhelmed. And all of a sudden, somebody comes into the picture. You had, had no idea that they were going to come into the picture. But God brought them. And, and they basically were God's angel for you. It's so exciting to see that. I have personally experienced that uh, in my own life, where God provides a craftsman who knows what he or she's doing at the perfect time. I will trust him. And you know, uh, we talked about you don't know, think of craftsmen and military personnel, but on the other hand, what do we do with military people? We train them. They get equipment. They get lots of training, lots and lots of training. And then we have the sort of cream of the crop. I'm going to make something happen, right? But you think of like a kind of sad thing. Uh, green berets were murdered in, in Africa this past week. With three of you know the brightest and best rangers uh, in the army who were killed there. Um, you think of the Navy SEALs. You think of capability. There's a group called the uh, Marine Raiders. These are like the well, well, they're craftsmen. They, they, they are the ones that are best trained to pull off special ops. And, and, and that's the illustration that God wants us to focus on. I'm sending a craftsman. You can trust me. Yeah, that horn is raw power. But I'm going to terrify him with skill. So skill, he provides these craftsmen. It fits perfectly. And then the final idea here, look, look at the final word here, uh, before I summarize it up here. It says, and these have come to terrify them, to cast down the horns of the nations. You know, all of their military strength will crumble at the power of God. Yahweh Tzavoth. There, by the way, this is a pattern in Holy Scripture. Uh, if I read the book of Revelation pretty literally, and it describes at least two more times when people literally come to try to crush Jerusalem again, and God in his wisdom raises up craftsmen and beats them again. Uh, whether you take that metaphorically or literally, it's a pattern that God in his wisdom allows the situation to get so complicated and so overwhelming that all, what do we, all I have is a prayer. Well, that's a pretty good thing. <laughs> you know, I'm just, you know, it's a come to that, as my mom used to say. Has it come to that where all you can do is pray? Well, that's a good thing. And the Lord teaches that we depend on a prayer warrior in heaven that he is interceding for us. Uh, and he's going to cast down those horns, they, they may have victory for a long time, but they will not have permanent victory. And whether it's an illness or you know, a cancer or, or being mistreated, you know, it's all this evil balled up into one. It says, these nations, the Goyim, who lifted up their horns against the land of Judah to scatter it. And what I, I come up with is this idea of accountability. That there is accountability in God's system. You know what the Bible says? It's one of the most amazing blow-your-mind realities. And that is that every human 
raised back up into their bodies and they will stand in judgment. The, the Bible teaches the absolute continuity of individual existence. You will always be you. You'll never be a kitty cat, a mosquito, <laughs> or any other thing. You'll always be you. And this is, this is why we should cling to Jesus. It's the Savior. We need him to be our Savior. Because uh, there's no escaping this thing. The Bible says he, he raises everybody up. And there's a, there's a resurrection to judgment and a resurrection to eternal life. And this is God's plan for accountability. They'll be held accountable. This is the encouragement that God sees and knows and has caused the four horns of crushing and punishment. But he sees and knows and is causing the four amazingly capable craftsmen to fix Here's our response, I think. No, but Christ is praying for us. Live in faith. To the Christian, give him to panic, anxiety, paralyzing fear. This was the temptation for the people in Judah. It's like, oh, come on, we can't build this temple. These neighbors are really fierce. They're going to crush us. Let's get up. It's a bad idea. I mean, you know, it seemed good at the time. Well, let's just quit. We can't do this. Let's run. No, God says, no, trust me. Don't panic. Don't give in to anxiety. No paralyzing fear. I want you to press on with what I call it. He will bring justice. And he goes to this one. Disconnected, you are cognizant, you know, and you have a plan for all of life. And this interesting little vision of, about balance, the four versus the four, would help us to trust you completely, to not give in to panic. And Lord, we know that every week there's probably somebody here that's not quite sure if they know Jesus Christ at all. And I pray that in your grace and kindness, open their hearts to, to come to Jesus Christ and Take the beautiful offer of, of being saved to the uttermost through the power of Jesus, through the work he did for us on the cross. He was buried, he rose again, and he's now in heaven interceding for us. Lord, fill us all with faith and more confidence in our 